0: Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Welcome to the next episode of Aim Higher. We're talking about the nine qualities of a servant leader, leading with others in mind. And we've been talking about servant leaders who value diverse opinions, cultivate a culture of trust, develop other leaders helps people with life issues, encourages, sells instead of tells, and this one, the next quality of a servant leader is that a servant leader thinks you, not me. Now, I've had the privilege of interviewing some of the world's greatest leaders, people ranging from Barbara Walters to Keith Richards, John Smoltz to Joel Osteen, Dan Rather to Condoleezza Rice, Senator Bill Bradley to Alan Alda. And one of the things I've noticed about all of these people is that all of these successful people think about others first. And I can think about each one of those discussions that I've had with them and how they're always thinking about the other person in the room. You would think it would be all about them. You would think that they would say, you know, I'm the rock star. It's all about me. But instead, their concern invariably drifts to the other people in the room. And it's a key leadership lesson of thinking you, not me. In the last several years, I've been watching high-profile CEOs fall from their lofty positions due to greed, selfishness. We've read several years ago about gold shower curtains and extravagant parties and all kinds of nonsense, and it's because people were thinking about themselves, not the organization, not Other people, but it is important to be leading and thinking about other people all the time, about leading in a way that empowers. When I think about leadership that's giving, I think about leaders who are empowering other people. And I think this quality really embodies the word empowerment. What does empowerment do? Well, I think empowerment does so many things. So servant leaders focus on the other person because it empowers the other person. It empowers the organization to do more together than they could do on their own. Empowerment improves the customer experience. That's because the individual employee is not a drone, kind of doesn't act as a machine, but an empowered employee can make small decisions that end up increasing business, developing loyal customers, and saving time. Empowerment also makes employees feel like a part of the business. Right? It may be subjective, but... If you find a business where employees can act, you can tell that they are more committed. Empowerment enhances job satisfaction. Studies will show this. And of course, it just makes sense. People are happier if they have the ability to make some of the decisions instead of always having to kick it up to somebody else to make them. Empowerment also improves productivity. You don't need a big, massive study to see this. You know, once I was in a checkout line at a retailer and the scanned price that went through was different from the one that was advertised right there on the wall. And the employee of the store knew it was wrong. You could see it. It was right there on the sign, but was not empowered to do anything about it. Had to call the manager, et cetera. Well, I didn't want to be waiting in line while they pressed the button and the light went off and it started to blink and 42 people are behind me, all to save whatever it was, 17 cents. No, thank you. Fine, ring it. But she then was stuck in this conundrum because she couldn't get it to go through because she had flagged it. And so then I was stuck and I said, forget the whole thing, right? So empowerment is important. It improves productivity, makes everyone happier, including the person waiting in line who's impatient. Empowerment also raises expectations. If somebody's empowered, that person has higher expectations. And I think it's those higher expectations that make – the real difference. I've seen employees rise to extraordinary levels when that bar is raised. It becomes a catalyst for growth. So empowerment is so very key in all of this. Servant leaders think about you, not me, as the key starting point. So to talk about this quality of a servant leader, we have an esteemed panel of wonderful, talented executives who've been thinking about this issue of servant leaders thinking about you, not me first. And so I'd like to introduce you to the panel. I don't think you need introduction to Tammy Spade, who's been with us aiming higher. And she's thinking of you right now. She's thinking of you out there and how you can be empowered. Who are you empowering in the audience? And and who knows what they're going to accomplish just because of your thoughts right now, Tammy. Welcome. Thank you. And we have Drew Bortis. Drew's been with us. He's an operations executive and he's always thinking about me, not you. And I mean, you, not me. I'm
1: actually stuck on the gold shower curtain you said in the intro. You but I'm, I'm, I just, I, I, you totally lost. I, I just went off track there. Yeah, I'm coming back. I'm, yeah. coming back. I'm coming back. Google
0: worry. that. I yeah. mean, that's kind of scary. I'm scared but, to Google it. Yeah. I, but, you know, some of these, some of these executive. I mean, it was one thing if they're kind of selfish and self centered, is, is one thing. But who does this? Right. I mean, of course, that's you're not a motivator jail, who, for me. Who, who me either? Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even imagine. But people do if they're thinking about themselves above all others, and they actually get deluded into thinking that the world is surrounding them. And we also have Rebecca Kilzer. Rebecca, welcome to Aim Higher. Are you ready to aim higher? I'm ready. Thank you. Rebecca helps organizations use new technologies. And many other things, but that sounds so good. It's a great tagline. And she helps uh, in, in train. Well, there's so many other things you do, but we'll get into that perhaps as you share your wisdom with us in aiming higher. She's always thinking about you, not me. And when we think about organizations using technologies, in order to do that right, you have to be thinking about the users. You have to be thinking about others first. So we're going to talk about this quality of servant leadership. It's the quality of thinking of you not me. And as I say all of that, and as you hear me kind of give that introduction, what does this esteem panel think of? What kind of pops into your mind when you're thinking about a servant leader thinking you, not me?
2: Well, I think it's reflective of every other relationship. When you think about the person you want to be in um, a partnership with, the person who's parenting, going to see a physician, you want all of those situations to encompass a relationship of selflessness, of give and take. And so it's natural that servant leaders would excel when they reflect selflessness as well. And I think things like, as you said earlier, risk-taking, empowerment, great solutions, all are enhanced when people are working with the other person in mind first.
0: And it doesn't always happen. You know, I, I even think about when you go to, say, a restaurant, which I'm frequently at, and you say, you know, what should I order? What's good here whatever? And so many times instead of thinking about you, they think about them. Or they'll say, well, I like this, that, and the other, but it's because I'm allergic to half the menu, and so therefore I have these two choices and I like this one which is fine. I mean, you can learn some information from it. But I've also met servers who are so oriented to you, they say, well, tell me what are your favorite meals? If you were ordering anything anywhere, what do you like? And then they kind of listen and and they go that way. I'm also thinking about decorators. My wife is an incredible home interior designer and decorator. And it's interesting to watch her choices. And if she's talking to somebody else, it's keying in on what do you like, right? Not just here's my style and I'm gonna impose it on you, but servant leaders think about you, not me. And so it's, well, what do you like here? What about this option or that option? So they're designing your home around that. Well, I think servant leaders are thinking about designing this conversation, designing your goals, designing what we're doing around you and your unique abilities so that I can help you lead with your strengths. And the best leaders are thinking about You, not me. And so it's not about what I need, but here's what we need as an organization. How do I design something that maximizes your strengths and ability to get it done? I said get it done, so that usually is a clue for a Drew Borders. It feels good. It feels right. Yeah, I like
1: to get it done. Um, No, I think the thing that came to mind for me right off was – and it's a theme we've hit on on a few of these podcasts, but it talks about culture. And when you have a leader that isn't thinking of the team and they're thinking just of themselves, that can get to a culture of blame, a culture of scapegoats, a culture of fall guys. I mean, you know, when something goes wrong, the team knows, oh, the, this is going to be on me. The leader isn't going to step up and do this, and that. It just is a damaging type of culture. You don't want that. You want to be in it together. You don't. I mean, the boss doesn't always have to take the fall, but you. Used to be an option sometimes if you're part of the team and you're and you're leading from ahead and not from behind.
0: Rebecca, don't you think that Drew should take the fall, just for whatever it is?
3: Yeah, I think he will.
1: See, yeah. will, <laughs> <I> <laughs> should,
3: <laughs> will. He might even do it now during and deserve
1: and, de- and often deserve it, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> Most often, yeah. Right? yeah Most often, true. yeah. Well, it, it it is true, and uh, when you think about getting it done and and a culture of that. You get more done in a culture where people are always thinking about that other person or the customer. So, Rebecca, mm-hmm. you deal a lot with um, technologies and onboarding customers and thinking about them and their needs. How do you, you know, in your team, how do you train people to have that mindset? Is it possible to train people to have that mindset?
3: I think it is. I think that um, I've been studying uh, empathy a lot recently. I've been really interested in this and thinking about how do you bring that skill to your professional um, circumstances and how do you bring that to your team? As a leader, how do you help coach people to think that way? Exactly your question. And so when you, um, I think it's a learnable skill. It's not something that everybody just brings naturally, right? And so as a leader, one way that I always do is I try to model that behavior and to say, okay, I can see that The team is struggling with this particular issue or that project or whatever it is. And we say, okay, let's think about it from a different perspective. Maybe you're thinking about it from the point of view of, well, I'm feeling annoyed that I have to do this thing differently, or I'm feeling frustrated because it didn't go the way I want. But if you can say, okay, well, that that is completely valid, your experience, but what about from the point of view of the customer? What's it feel like for them if you don't do this thing or do do this thing? What about from your colleague's point of view? And to be able to bring that perspective, I think, is a a good way to kind of help the team move forward.
0: So good. It's also one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about diversity, because you're going to have this diverse kind of uh, thinking about something. And you're going to get to a better answer, a better solution if you're doing that. It's also hard to do. Some people tend to have that natural proclivity more to think about things a little bit differently or think about it. Uh, But it's also one of the things that I found as a leader is if you're in a room, let's say you're in a large room and you're going to have people who are naturally more reserved, more quiet. They're not going to necessarily want to weigh in. And yet it's important. And so if you're leading with others in mind and you're thinking about you, and you know, you want that best answer, that person may have something that's incredibly valuable. How do you draw that out? Right. So, starting with what you were talking about, the study of empathy, it literally as a leader, putting yourself in and looking around the room, thinking, okay, if I'm in this person's mindset, what are they thinking? Well, I might not know. What's the, well, maybe I ask. How do you draw that out if you're thinking about people? What are some techniques to draw that out when you're thinking about you, not me? Someone's quiet. You want them to contribute. What do you do? Well, I
1: actually worked for a consulting company at one point that purposefully um, would create exercises to do just what you're saying. And I actually talked about it in a way I'd, I'd never experienced before, right? Where they would say, look, there's going to be people in the room who aren't going to be the most vocal, aren't going to be the one to shout it out, all that. Um, so we would design writing exercises or posted exercises where everybody writes down Um, Things they think of in five minutes and then and post them up. And I had seen those exercises before, but I had never heard the why behind them. So it's, you know, because we want to draw out the people who aren't going to talk and we want to shut down some of the others that have been talking the whole time like me. um, This is this is how you do it. And I was fascinated. How how do we do that? We need to bring that in. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I could tell you.
2: Well, and there are different learning styles and communication styles that you're hitting on, Drew, and I think the education system can give us some really good models here rather than an instructor or teacher who says, well, I like to communicate verbally because I'm an auditory learner we have to think about um, sharing information in ways that everyone can consume it and eliciting information in ways that everyone can give it. So those exercises are great examples. I learned something recently, and Skip, you alluded to it when you talked about the server who says, well, I like, you know, the roast beef. In the past, when I would be talking to someone and they would share a challenge or a creative idea, my natural inclination was to find some experience in my background and say, oh yeah, I've been there too, and here's what I did. And I'm realizing that that somehow is minimizing, for some people anyway, their concern. And so I'm learning to figure out when to bring in the personal experience and when not to, Uh because it could feel to them like, yeah, you're steering the, the conversation your way, and you're not really focusing on me. Sometimes it's a useful, empathetic thing to do but in other situations, you need to hold that back. And I just realize how often I do it.
3: I've been thinking a lot about that too and observing, just sort of taking a step back and thinking about how I interact, you know, my personal relationships and my professional relationships casually just with people you meet around. And at, at what frequency I do that, you know, and I put I put my own example out there. And to be able to discern what's the purpose of the original comment, right? So if a person brings forward a, concern or something is it really they just want to vent do you are they trying to find an answer are they you know and sometimes I've actually said to people oh I don't need you to solve this for me I'm I'm just venting that yes. helps me a ton actually, by the way. <laughs> People may be you you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: you know that's so interesting because oftentimes you learn that you know find the skill and you're just looking to say, Oh, I went through that as well. Or I know someone that's going through that or whatever. And you're doing it as a way to build a bridge. And sometimes it does build that bridge. But oftentimes you don't understand the original purpose. And I think so often it's around not truly listening and just being there. Tell me more. Yes. Don't try to fill the space all the time. Just leave a little silence. Leave a, Leave a little place to say, even ask a follow-up question. How are you dealing with that right now? What are you struggling with? Is your family okay? Whatever it is, it gives them an opportunity to elaborate. And oftentimes in that elaboration, you can find out what the need is. Because it's not often, I would love to know if you've actually gone through this with your in-laws and please go through that with me, right? It's not (laughs) usually that, right? Because they don't actually care about that. What they care about is could you just connect with me as a person and think about me for for a moment and and just live this with me. Just walk with me in this. And we don't want to do that. And and so often I think leaders are tasked and rewarded in getting things done. And so we want to take action and do something. So we're looking for well what's what action can I take as a result of this? And they don't want an action, right? Maybe So that was your point. It may just be, I want to just express this. Um, Oftentimes you can ask, Mm -hmm. what can I best do for you right now in this moment as you're doing this? And you'll find they'll tell you. To your point, like, I don't need anything or um, I just want to unload or vent or whatever. And that's a really powerful thing. Well, the other part about thinking about you, not me, is empowerment. And when you think about me and you think about leadership, it's really a management of, you know, I'm going to set up these rules. I'm going to set up these guidelines. And many people who aren't management say, well, you know, this isn't me. But leadership is not a position. I talk about it all the time. Servant leaders understand influence through service is more powerful than through position. And if you're thinking, how does this benefit me, you're disqualified from this conversation. Servant leaders who focus on others are all about empowerment. So I talked in the introduction about empowerment, improving the customer experience, It makes employees feel part of the business. It makes employees feel happier and higher job satisfaction, improves productivity. Empowerment raises expectations. It does all of those things to become a catalyst for growth. So how does, how does a servant leader develop a culture of empowerment? How, how do you find people and say, I'm going to empower you because that's that's a guideline, right? So w- when I'm there in that line, they don't want to empower that employee to do anything and just say, you know what, you have $2,000 of groceries, I'm just going to give it to you free because you have a nice smile, right? That would be probably, for the grocery store working on razor thin, I think below 2% margins, a real problem. That would put them into bankruptcy too quickly, usually, And yet you also don't want to have them having to ring a bell and delay the line for 17 cents. It was more than that, but, you know, it was insignificant. But, you know, so where is that? How do you design that so that you empower people at the right levels? What's the proper way to empower people? How do you get those guidelines out?
3: One of the things that we were recently talking about, actually, um, I'm pointing at Drew, is that that doesn't happen by accident you have to plan for it. And it's the kind of thing where if you want specific results, if you want people to feel empowered, you have to erase any um, unconfidence. Ambiguity. Right? Yeah. yeah, you have to pe- help people feel confident that they know they're doing the right thing, that they're not gonna accidentally give away too much and then be in trouble, right? And um, so having some guidelines, I think, about what what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and in between that, you got it is I think a really yeah. good strategy.
1: and I think to to add to that because I, I was thinking along the same lines as you were speaking, I think it's different at different levels of the organization. so maybe at an entry level point it it is kind of a specific you can do these seven things. you are empowered to do these, but not outside this. But I couldn't do that with Rebecca or you know any leaders of leaders. I, I can't give her seven things if here are the choices you get to make. it's it's at that point it's got to be. Do we know what we're trying to do together? Mission, vision, strategy, culture. I mean, are we on the same page or not? And, and, and giving people grace if, uh, okay, those are pretty vague and I went outside it. Okay, well, let's talk about that. But overall, are we trying to do the same thing?
2: I think it's important to think about, you know, the opposite of empowerment is micromanaging. So when you put it in that context, you know what not to do we always try to ask ourselves, what's the risk? Mm-hmm. So in your grocery store example, what's the risk? What's the risk if the cashier is empowered to make a decision on something at a certain level? We often think we have to program it a lot too, and we can't anticipate every single potential guideline. We did this recently in our organization with performance reviews, right? Skip and I talked about this, and. In the organization, we pretty much threw out the traditional performance review and said, we're just going to have Goodbye. A- it was fabulous Goodbye. this year, by the way. People Loved were it. so sad. Listen to this. Nobody was sad. Grieving. No one was sad. That's exactly right. And we just had a facilitated conversation, just two or three, you know, four open-ended questions that facilitated a conversation. So there's a lot of thinking more about, less about the task, more about the relationship. Yes, there are things that need to be done, but sometimes we- overestimate the risk and if we ask ourselves well, what really is the risk if we just let this go we probably 90 percent of the time find that it's actually better it might be different but it's actually better
0: it also helps to share stories i think that you can share that you know here's the seven things you can do or or this and then you go all the way scaling it all the way up to here's our values mission etc in between to me uh, is stories and People respond well when you highlight them as heroes and say, look at what happened. And this was what that person was confronted with. Here's how they dealt with it. And isn't this awesome, right? Not what I would have thought of, perhaps. Not that I would have done this exact thing. But I want to spotlight this. And then you watch people blossom. And then they follow along those stories. And I think they follow along with the stories better than the guidelines. And they say, you know, I want to duplicate that. And when the same kind of thing happens, they may default to one of those and say, hey, I might want to try this here. Have you seen stories like that when you share the story's work to empower?
3: I think the story is a good way to sort of um, illustrate the 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 continuum of possibilities that a person can use to respond to any given situation. You may have someone, for example, who's brand new. They don't Not completely clear on the strategy or the vision and all that stuff yet. They they want to do a good job, and um, so being able to provide a story as a way to help them feel confident in their decision, I think, can go a really long
1: way. I think I think extreme examples can also go into the story mode, Um, and I use them to to just kind of set a a a boundary. So, for example, in the grocery store um, story you were telling, could that Um, clerk have given you a free airline ticket because of the 17 cent difference. It would have made you happy. Right. But ridiculous from a from a financial corporate, you know, perspective. So it's good to just use well, that that would make him happy. Can we do that? Is the goal happiness? Well, no, it's not that exactly. Okay, let's bring it in. Let's talk about some real,
0: real boundaries. Yeah, those are good those are good stories. Well, a servant leader thinks you not me. And yet there's something else about servant leadership that's very important. The danger about servant leadership and the danger with this one, if you're thinking about you, not me, is that you only think about you, not me. And I say that because servant leaders have to recognize that there's a, there's a balance and servant leaders need to have self-care. Servant part of leadership is thinking about you, but leadership also requires ownership and leadership of yourself personal leadership starts with self-mastery. Personal leadership starts with self-mastery. It's, it's that important. And so I always think, and this example has been used many, many times, but I just had a flight last night and they always say, if oxygen is needed and the masks fall, please secure your own mask before helping those around you. Right. And that is very important. So a servant leader would say, oh, I think of you, not me. So let me help you put on your mask. And then They get knocked out because they didn't have any oxygen during that period. That's the reason why they say, help put your own mask on before you help others. So I I say that servant leaders think about you, not me, as 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 a basic kind of quality. But we say it with the idea in mind that servant leaders know that they have to take care of themselves. And I say it just because most people need that reminder. I need to orient myself to others. I need to make sure that I'm looking at it through their lenses and not mine. And yet sometimes it's just as important if that balance gets too out of whack to say, do I have my own needs met? And it's okay to think about those needs so that you are in a good place. So if I think about, well, what are my spiritual, social, physical, mental, family needs? If those are not being met consistently, I will not be able to give my best to others. How do you react when I bring up that one?
2: Well, you can't pour anything out of an empty vessel. So if you're Tammy Yoda (laughs) just came to me, Um, yeah. If if you're empty, if you don't have reserves, if you don't have strength, if you don't have the creativity that you need, you're not going to be. It's true again of almost any other relationship in life, and it's certainly true in a leadership situation where it's very transactional. Things are coming at us really, really fast. It's important, um, and I think sometimes we wear not caring for ourselves as leaders as a bit of a badge. Maybe that's shifted a little in the last ten to twenty years. But that badge of "I hardly got any sleep last night," you know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't I taken slept a day off. By the way, good to know. It never That's rare for you. It's very rare. It's very rare. It's incredible. Did they give you not enough oxygen on the plane? <laughs> I <think maybe? laughs> they must have given me a lot. I don't know what happened. Yeah, but it is. It is. Really, really critical um, to do that and to not wear that badge of, oh, I've worked seven days straight or I've done this or I've done that. You know, we, we, even, even those of us who say this, and I'm maybe preaching to myself right now, I have to remind myself of that because I still have that conflicting view in my mind that working hard and putting your all in and maybe not taking time for caring for yourself is still, you know, still something you have to fight
3: against. It's interesting because uh, um, I have struggled myself with, w- at what point do I secretly work so that nobody thinks that I'm working on the weekend so that they don't feel like they have to work on the weekend,
1: right? That's what I was just thinking about. Were <laughs> you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like delayed delivery of your yeah, emails. Yeah, I'll you write draft
3: emails, delivery. I'll do like project stuff and I'll like set it aside and then I'll send the emails later in the
0: week or by the way I love that you do that because at least at least you're not sending the wrong signal that Mm -hmm. we expect 24 by 7 work all the time right it's you need to get to the higher level right Right, which is not giving yourself a break which (laughs) would be wonderful but at least you've made the step of not signaling to your team like Mm -hmm. this is what I expect so baby steps right Right. (laughs) and I think
1: that's the thinking of the team part is I I need to get this done I need to catch up but I, I, don't, I don't mean I need responses from all of you right now or, or something like that. But I agree that the, giving yourself a break, too, is,
0: is important. The other thing I think it's a good lesson for all, this is an email bonus tip that you're going to get right here at the end of this Aim Higher episode, and that is this. The reason you don't want to send those notes out over the weekend is if you send one note out, you get 10 back. And so you're actually doing yourself a favor too, because I've learned every time you send that note out, 10 come back.
1: If you want to get fewer emails,
0: send fewer emails. It is absolutely the number one driver of your emails in. So with that, we're going to end this incredible episode. Nine qualities of the servant leader. They value diverse opinions, cultivate a culture of trust, develop other leaders, help people with life issues, not just job issues, encourage, sell instead of tell, and think you not me. If you follow these things and two more, you become a servant leader and you aim higher in your own leadership and in your own life. Here's to your productivity and becoming a servant leader.
1: Thanks for listening
3: to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.